0: Well, after a blistering start for risk assets in 2023, we're starting to see some deleveraging, some de-risking in portfolios as some of the US data gets called into question once again. Three weeks into the calendar year and the playbook looks like it's shifting. Blake and I discuss all these factors in the Mm trade-off. We're back after a, a three or four week hiatus. This is The Trade-Off. My name's Chris Weston, I'm head of research here at Pepperstone. In two seconds, I'm going to be joined by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. We've missed you guys. I hope you guys have missed us too. There's a lot to unpack today in this mad world of trading. If you like the program, give us, give us a like. Smash the like button where you can. Leave a comment and Blake and I will get back to you, talk about what's going on. I want to bring Blake into the program now because I just want to just get straight into it, Blake. You know, 2023 is amongst us. I'm older, I'm gray. I've got this funky new haircut. I look like someone from Westlife. I'm definitely more rotund. I'm like, You're looking pretty handsome yourself but we've taken out a lot of what's happened in 2022 i know that's a long long time ago it feels like a long time ago and we're into this new stage for me if i'm looking at 2022 as a a sort of a platform for this year one of the things i took out was that that we moved away for money managers, away a little bit from diversification in stocks, diversification in asset classes, you know, the 60-40 portfolio didn't work. People have moved into this into this world of, 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 of diversification in strategies. You know, you know you can go and have your macro thesis, but you've, you've offset that by allocating some money towards trend-following funds. Trend-following funds had the best year, I think, on record, or one of the best years on record. They absolutely blitzed it. Momentum funds did really well. You know, mean reversion strategies, perhaps less so, but, you know, people were looking at, 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 at morphing out those the, the, the diversification within their strategies uh, to try and create better returns uh, out of the bottom line. And I think that's something that's going to happen this year. I think people, you know, sort of big funds are looking at different strategies and deploying them as well. And I think that's something that everyone can do, whether you're a retail trader or you're a sophisticated trader. Um, the idea of, of, of learning a little bit more about trend following, learning about ma- uh, momentum, learning more about mean reversion and understanding when to deploy them at the right time and what, at, you know, what market respond well to those. So for me, 2023 is a year of diversification of strategies and knowing how to master those and deploy them in the right market environment. That's, for me, what's really important. So you know, what are you seeing for 2023? We're three weeks in, um, but how do you think traders are going to get their edge uh, in this market
1: this year? What are they going to be learning? Well, it's uh, Chris, first of all, I've missed all of you. I've missed the team there at, at the trade-off. I've missed, uh, I've missed all the viewers here. So it's nice to be back here in 2023, and I'll say that my opinion is volatility is going to reign. It's interesting when in your intro you said, "Well, the theme that the, looks like the playbook is already shifting." I think that's going to be the theme of 2023. I think we're going to see the playbook shifting consistently throughout this year, and I think that you have to have your head on a swivel, always be watching your six behind you, and 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 being not married to your Thesis, your macro ideas, even in, even your technical plans, you're just going to have to be adaptive to the current market environment because I think it's going to throw us a lot of curveballs. To use that old baseball analogy,
0: and do you remember when we talked in, in in the playbook for 2023 last year when we when we put that out? If you haven't seen that, guys, uh, make sure you do check that out. So I think there's so, some really relevant information. Two of the things that I talked about for 2023 was trading with trading like a ninja, being very nimble to the price moves. Exactly what you've just talked about there. But ultimately, Blake, I think we both agree, having an open mind, you know, when when you know, if the narrative's telling you something, but the price is telling you something, be open-minded. The price is always right in that situation and being able to react and respond,
1: right? 100%. I mean, you know, I, I came into this year being very bullish the yen, and I had to actually shift gears yesterday ahead of the BOJ and, you know, play both sides of the market today. Because it's it's what the market's dictating. You gotta you kind of got to take what you can get when you can get it, and I think you have to be extremely flexible this year. Indeed, indeed. Anyway, we're going to talk about that that situation in in the
0: Bank of Japan because that was a really interesting case study in trading. So let's get to it. Let's go into Fair. the different subjects that are making news at the moment. Let's get to topical thunder. Like, I want to talk about Bank Japan, you can see it's uh, the fourth point that we've we've sort of brought up today, so it's a really important point. But let's talk about sentiment, because we started the year on an absolute must. First couple of weeks or so was really a role reversal of what we saw in 2022 you know people were less concerned about inflation inflation's coming down you know China's reopening China assets China proxies have absolutely gone bananas you know Chinese equity markets have doubled Alibaba what a stock I mean it's just absolutely killed it you know and, and we've seen a bit of heat come out of there copper prices have just been on a one one way tear the Aussie dollar got up to 70 cents you love the Aussie dollar we did last year for, for, for parts of the year um, and it was kind of this role reversal playing through which seen the VIX trading below 20%. It's just hovering there at the moment. Uh, but equities sort of caught a lot of people wrong-footed, and, you know, they went on for a ride. European equities absolutely gone for it. The European economy is looking less bad, yeah, obviously down to what we've been seeing in natural gas prices and, and you know, the, the, the unseasonably hot weather that they're being seeing there and the demand for natural gas obviously pushing that higher, uh, the lower demand for natural gas. So it's been an interesting one. But, no, you know, we've just started to so – we just saw a retail sales number, which was poor. We've just seen PPI numbers which have dissipated. And people are saying "Look, you know, the soft data has been really weak in the US, but it's been the hard data, you know, things like you know retail sales, which has held up pretty well, and that soft data was going to mean reverse and converge back to hard data. Now the hard data is being called into question. Bond yields have gone down. You know, we've seen yield curves, uh, you know, going further into inverted territory, and we've seen equity markets coming off. So a lot to digest there. Um, But, you know, how are you
1: reading the room? How are you reading the markets? How are you reading sentiment? Well, first of all, I think we came into this year sentiment was extremely bullish, as you were just kind of alluding to different from 2022 at the beginning of the year last year. And, and I think that has caught the market wrong footed. I think people were expecting, hey, the Fed's actually going to, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be a little bit looser. We're going to talk about the Fed here in just a moment anyway. But the fact of the matter is you're you're right. The data, I think, suggests That, you know, you still have very sticky employment and because you have sticky employment, people feel that the Fed's going to have to, you know, might, you know, might actually still have to keep their, you know, keep keep their, keep their foot to the, to the pedal here. And I think the market's starting to, the the market's starting to catch wind of that. And I think that has uh, completely caught the market off guard. Going into this uh, beginning of the year, it's it's also interesting how we were in just such a tight trading range. I know you had been traveling. I know you've been kind of, uh, you know, out of pocket a little bit, but I know Euro is at least one one step away from the market. And I'll tell you, you know, that consolidation broke today, finally. Mm. And, and that break uh, spells trouble for the market moving forward.
0: Yeah, I know. I agree. I think time out of the market is for the week. Um, I think you should always be in the market person. <laughs> I'm joking. No, I think, you know, it's, it's good to have a bit of a refreshing mind and, 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 and you know, get your collective thoughts and you see things clearly. You see things, um, you know, see things differently. But, you know, like the, the first few few weeks uh, was uh, just yeah, really just interesting. The way the market had changed from hard hard landing into something a little bit more progressive, positive. But I think what we've seen over the last twenty-four hours, Blake, needs to be respected and needs to be looked at. Will it bold momentum? You know, and that's where it could be. So, do we see the buyer step back in and, and bid risk assets up again, uh, or do we start seeing yeah this de-risking that we've seen on this one session really manifest into something a little bit more pronounced? It's a make-or-break time, and I think that's where sentiment is at the
1: moment. It is, and you know, and it all comes down to in about twelve days, roughly twelve days, depending on where you're at. Uh, we have the FOMC and let's talk a little bit about the Fed because I think the Fed becomes is now in the driver's seat. The the Fed has seen a lot of very important data going into this meeting, and uh they're going into their quiet period or their mm. I, I think they call Black it their care. quiet period, whatever blackout. Yeah, care. yeah. And and so it's gonna be really interesting, uh Chris, because the the, the the jury's out, but the debate is on on how the Fed is gonna react. From here first of all where's the terminal rate and then is the fed actually going to pivot or are they going to keep rates uh at these elevated levels for some period of time and that's the real big debate right now yeah, absolutely and well wh- you know where the market swings as far as expectations is exactly where the s p risk assets currencies uh you could even say crypto and precious metals are going to swing and commodities are going to swing Following the Fed. So I want to I want to throw it to you, Chris, just because, you know, you've had a time to pro, you have you've had time to, you know, take a step back. S- listen to the Fed uh, governors. Notice they're all singing the same tune right now, which is also something very scary as far as, you know, what how they're going to fight inflation yeah. and don't play chicken with the market. I think I'm taking cash uh, uh, uh words just from like this earlier this week. But how do you view the FOMC going into two weeks from now? Mate, the, it's, it's a done. Deal. In my
0: opinion, it's a done deal. Um, especially when we get into the blackout period, they're, they're going to raise by twenty-five basis points. The weakness we've seen in PPI um, that's de- definitely sort of thrown open that idea that it's twenty. It's definitely going to be twenty-five in my opinion. Um, retail sales are softer. Yeah, that that that's in some way deflationary, and of course the Fed will take notice. But they'll go twenty-five basis points. That's when it gets really interesting. That's when we start seeing this idea of a pause because the terminal rate, which you brought up, which is a great point, is is currently trading at 4.86%. So the market is anticipating really one more rate hike and then it's kind of like we're not sure whether we get another one in in, in the March meeting or they go on a pause situation. So the next one's pretty much an easy... is, is a given, it's in the bag, it's a lock. The question is what do they do from that? The market's unsure if we get one more rate hike or not. The terminal rate is telling you that. What we're then seeing... Is the Fed saying right here that we're going to see an extended pause right through the end of the year? If you think about the Taylor Rule and all these other sort of economic metrics situations, they're yep. saying that rates are going to be on, on pause. The market's not so sure. If you look at Sofa Futures, they're pricing in 56 basis points of cuts in the second half. So as we go into the second half, the market's anticipating under one of its scenarios that the Fed will start uh, looking to cut back. I'm, I think yeah, we have to see something pretty disastrous you know, from, the, from the economy, which I think would mean that the stock market would have to fall. The dollar would probably rally against certain risk currencies and probably sell off against the yen and, and against the Swiss franc. But I think to, to get those rate cuts that the market's pricing in, there's going to be a need to be a, a, a pretty dire scenario, which is not priced in equity markets at the moment. Like with a Fed in mind, let's go to the FX plays, because I think it's really interesting. We are seeing some vol play out. Obviously, we saw the Bank of Japan. But I'm looking at this, this kind of sentiment shift that seems to be playing. It may you know, reverse again, um, you know, obviously keeping an open mind. But you know, for me, if I look at what happened overnight, the Swiss franc really emerged as showing some leadership here. Yeah, you know, we saw some really big moves uh, against the Aussie uh, and against the CAD. So CAD Swissy, go and pull up a daily chart of the of the, of the CAD against the Swissy. Big move to the downside. We're testing this really strong level of, of horizontal support. If that breaks, I, you know, I, I think we've got, we've got some really good downside in the CAD against the Swissy. So maybe it's a safe haven play. But if I look at what's happening, you know, dollar against the Swissy is, is is pretty weak at the moment, you know, lowest levels for some time. Um, but that could reverse and we could see start seeing some further inflows back into the yen if this really manifests into a bond move lower. Uh, you can't give up on the dollar, of course, on a selective basis. Um you know, it's interesting to have a look at the pound. Despite this risk off move with of equities down 1.6% on the SP, yeah, credit spreads widening a touch, you know, commodities under pressure, the pound held up like an absolute boss. Now, obviously, we saw CPI numbers coming in, in line, but I would expect to see a little bit of crack coming through in the pound. That hasn't happened. The pound looks quite attractive, certainly against the euro, uh, you know, and, and certainly against the Antipodeans in some capacities as well. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. But in, in, given this sort of macro thesis that we're seeing, and in terms of what we're seeing in momentum, Yeah, where are you deploying money? What currencies are you standing out at least in the short term? Maybe let's give it a week time horizon.
1: Well, if I I had to say uh, currencies, can I just say the dollar? Can I blanket just say the dollar? Go dollar, (laughs) yeah. Go dollar. Well, as as you know, um, when you're trading the dollar, you kind of gotta segregate certain currencies out, and like especially like. The dollar yen the dollar yen i always tell our forex analytics uh folks that it's like okay that's its own thing but really like the dollar against the euro i think the euro looks like it's failing up here but when you talk about the cable and how strong it is i think that inflation print that came out today really allowed the sterling to to dig its teeth in against some of the you said antipodeans uh, i love it against the aussie i think it looked so great it rallied past the 38% retracement. If you just take your, your Fibonacci, the last move down, we're above the 38% retracement. A little false breakdown. I think it looks great against the Aussie, the Kiwi as well. So there's all sorts of plays. Now, um, we're going to talk about the yen and the BOJ here in a few minutes. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of dismiss that for a yeah. second. But I do like the dollar against other currencies. I don't want to give away what my 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 play of the day is. You guys got to stick around for the very end because it is a dollar to play and it is against something. Yeah. Question. Um but something, but I do, I do like playing the dollar long, especially near term against certain currencies for sure. Um, but Chris, I believe that we happen to be in the FX market. It happens to be the most volatile market, and it's the best place to be. And I'm glad that everybody's here on the trade-off watching us do it. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's going to be an exciting ride this
0: year, Blake. There's no doubts about that. So it's uh, always going to be twists and turns, Nico and kind of sort of plays into our view about having an open mind and uh, being
1: nimble. That's right, being nimble. And I and I got to say, hey, kudos the great Swiss play that you've had. Really, I mean, if if somebody was just long Swiss over the last couple months because they heard you say it back in November, December to be long Swiss francs, they're crushing it. So, uh, so, so kudos to you, Chris. I'm going to take us over to the BoJ. Let's talk about something more recent. Well, it's obviously just happened yesterday. Um, I guess the question I've got to ask here, Chris, is what are the next steps of the BOJ? You know, the market came in yesterday with heightened expectations that ahead of Corotta stepping off the podium away from the BOJ in, I think it's April 2nd. Correct me I, if I'm wrong. April, I, 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 I think is. April 8th, something like that. I knew it was the beginning of April. He's going to be stepping away. We're expecting a new, you know, uh, uh BOJ governor. A lot of people expected him to go out with a bang and the the lack of action yesterday uh is what produced the massive volatility. However, you know, it, you know, like this this is a quote from B uh, uh this is from BNP Paribas. They said on Wednesday expects the BOJ to widen the target range for the 10-year yield to 1% above or below 0 in March. From 0.5% currently. So they're expecting a move in March. But the question that I have, and I do believe that it is only a matter of time before the BOJ moves, but do they have to, Chris? I mean, what if the Fed stops raising rates, they go a quarter, and then we walk away in two weeks thinking, that's it for the Fed. They're not going any higher. And they might be stationary for a long time. Does that take the pressure off the BOJ to move next month? What are the next steps here? What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I, think, I think yield curve
0: controls, that it's done. I mean, it, it, the ship has left, the, you know, the, the, the train has left the station. Um, they need lower inflation. They need higher wages. They, you know, they need higher, lower inflation, effectively. That's the problem. They've got an inflation problem now. They've got 4% inflation. Tomorrow we actually get the national numbers, but Tokyo numbers are in, in, implying that they've got 4% inflation, which is double what their target is. They've got a political movement within the diet that is suggesting that they don't want um, yield curve control. So there's political moves against that. Um, And ultimately, the market is testing the Bank of Japan's 50 basis point cap pretty much every day. And they're having to buy far, far, far more bonds than their targets are allowing. So it's just unsustainable unless inflation was to drop significantly, which would need probably a much, much stronger yen. So it doesn't work. It, 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 you know, ultimately, with inflation there, the fair value on Japanese government bonds is closer towards 1%. So I don't mind the idea from BNP Paribas that at some stage they lift the yield, yield cap to 1%. It's kind of what I was expecting yesterday, but it was probably too soon after they recently adjusted it uh, back on the 20th of December. So they've sort of given themselves licence to, to pause. Maybe they do that in the, in the March meeting. Maybe they abolish yield curve control fully, but ultimately, yield curve control does not work. What was interesting yesterday, Blake, is if you looked at it, uh, overnight implied volatility in dollar yen, it was at 49%. You know, t- I was telling traders, get out of the position. Don't don't trade over this news. It was just too crazy. And that's exactly what we saw. The market was you know, very happy to, to, to move it in, in droves. But the yen now, I think, is looking quite attractive. I know they were dovish. I know that they were dovish and they've kept that, that dovish mantra in play. But if bond yields in the US are falling, if people are concerned about what Happening in the growth, if hard data is falling, um, you know, and the Fed are are, are stepping down to twenty five basis points, that pause is looking ominous. You know, I still like the dollar yen lower now, so I'll be selling rallies in dollar yen. Well, how are you? Just quickly before we go to the next one? how? What's your bias here? What's your tra-
1: what's your trading bias in dollar yen? I'm still I'm still a yen bull. So yeah, yeah, any rally in dollar yen, I'm with you, Chris. I'm going to be looking to sell it. But I, I also have to say that that you know regarding the BOJ, I think you're spot on. And I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you put all. It the question all
0: out. is, question. Just let's wrap it up. Yeah, they moved yield curve control, the, the band back in December because of a dysfunctional market. They've got a dysfunctional market now. It's even more dysfunctional, so they have to change it. Yield curve control, the ship has sailed. It doesn't work. Yeah. The question is, it's borrowed borrowed time. Anyway, let's go what? to that. So uh, I was just going to say, what a world
1: we live in, Chris. Yeah. We're, we're actually going to have to start paying attention to Japanese economic data.
0: Yeah, I know. And they, they've got a Bank of Japan meeting, which doesn't have a set time. How crazy is that? It's the world we live in today. <laughs> anyway, let's go to That's a Setup. Let's have a look at US 500 and other charts on our mind. Right, a chart that's uh, really getting banded around social media and, you know, it's, it's front of mind amongst clients at the moment. It's obviously what's happening in the US 500, the S&P 500, the, uh, the mac daddy of indices uh, globally at the moment. Uh, you, know, you can talk about yeah, the European equity markets have been absolutely on fire and um, being long the DAX short, the S and P has been an absolute, you know, absolute winning trade every day of the week. But let's have a look at this, uh, this, this, this market here. The trend that keeps on giving, they say. Uh, we've got to the 200-day moving average. Had a little bit of fail, a uh, push above there. It's been very, very unconvincing. We've seen it snap back down again. But this is that downtrend, isn't it? This downtrend that just keeps coming up time and time again, and everyone's just scalping into it. Everyone's taking positions longer term. There's swing trades taking place off that, and again, it's just rejected it perfectly. Um, do we go lower? Well, you know, we've closed back below some of the short-term moving averages. So look at the exponential five-day. And, uh, you know, it's gone below there. So can it build up from here? But once again, once again, Blake, as we go into the meat of earnings season next week, we're 28, 26% of the market cap of the S&P report. We're seeing this downtrend respected. Do we go lower or do we reverse higher and break back above there? How are you playing it?
1: Well, I'm going to play it on the short side. I'm going to play it on the short side from current levels. But if we get too much lower from here, Chris, you know, once we get down towards, let's just call it 38 and a quarter, you know, 3,800, 25, 3,800, the, the number, I'm going to be a little bit more ner- nervous about playing the S&P on the short side. I think we continue to play into lower highs. I think that channel, that's actually a channel resistance that held. It's also a, a key fib at the 618 retracement, what came in right at the 4K, 4K level. You know, depending on if you were looking at futures or CFDs or whatnot, it's right around there. So I think technically it sets up for further weakness. I just I'm skeptical to see how much further weakness we have from here without a catalyst driving us lower. But I think overall, Chris, you kind of got to play into what we well, see. I, and what we I see think the, is- I think
0: the catalyst is pretty clear, Blake. To be honest, in my opinion, and that is that bad news overnight was bad news for the market. You know, yeah. yes, okay. So sort of, uh, if it, it 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 led to, it leads the Fed to back off. Um, and, and, and sort of froze the, the, the pause camp a little bit higher. But the market has shown you there that, that yeah if we are going to see a recession, that's not good for the equity market, it's not good, good for earnings, it's not good for margins. You know, PPI will manifest into a situation where producers are, are selling at, at, at lower levels, but the consumer prices need to catch up. Until that point, their margins are under pressure. So I think what's pretty clear for me, is that bad news, and we see it in the hard data, is bad news for risk. So yeah, I think you've got to look at economics, and I think that's where a further downturn in economics, and that's what causes the stock market to go lower, in my opinion. We're watching earnings, of course, and yeah, see how earnings that goes will through. matter. Yeah, it will matter, I think, and you know, but but at the same time, everyone's positioned for quite bearish outcomes from earnings. But that said, you know, looking at outlooks, I think it's all about the data flow now, uh, and looking at the forward-leading indicators around that to say so. Bad news is bad news for the market.
1: I think in that, and, and we've seen that categorically overnight. All right. Well, let's uh, let's turn our attention to Bitcoin, and I know this is yours and my favorite crypto to trade. But I'll tell you, being long was the place to be a couple of weeks back. You know, come come around the holidays and and New Year's it set up for a really nice breakout to the upside that that pierce of that descending trend line you can see it's in green we broke above the 200 day moving average momentum spike relative strength is way overbought right now yeah. horizontal resistance is holding the 618 retracement is holding so guys now is not the time to be on the long side of bitcoin you got to let some of these some of this some of this buying pressure you know deflate a little bit i actually like buying dips but if you're long right now crypto i know there's a big wave of people just wanting to be long bitcoin ethereum but my warning here is it is not the time but if we get a dip back towards that 200 day moving average chris I might be tempted. What are yeah. your thoughts here on Bitcoin at levels? Well, it's levels? just
0: again, it just what plays into our play. I mean, equity markets have had a rally, risk assets have gone on. You know, we've seen a bit of heat coming out of real rates and, and the US dollar sold off recently. And of course, Bitcoin just does what we talk about time and time again. It's a high beta asset. I know there's people out there who say, "Chris Blake, you don't know what you're talking about." But yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately, risk has gone on and, and crypto has rallied at a, a faster pace. Now, if we see the dollar rally again, if we see you know, risk coming out, uh, vol's pick up a little bit and equities turn down, I think you know you've got downside however looking at the chart and what we know right here right now if you pull up bitcoin which you've got if you if you were to hone into that last candle what you can see is an outside day Um, And really what, yeah, I think in the short term, you'd be trading, you'd be range trading that between 21,600 and uh, 20,360. And we're probably going to see it oscillate around there. But be prepared to square and reverse those positions, because if we get a break out of that, that's what defines the outside period. And if we get a break to the upside, yeah, you go along for that. and, And you say now is not the time, but that time will be then. When we get a break to the upside, 21,600 is my upside. If we get a break of that, I'm, I'm buying. Uh, and, and I think below 20,360, then you've got some de- drawdown. In between that on an intraday basis, I think you've got yourself uh, a little bit of a range to trade there. But uh, yeah, obviously with outside days, and outside periods like that, you know, you're waiting for the, the market to push you in a trade. And I think you're defined by that. It's an interesting one. But uh, yeah, again, once again, it just tells me it's such a great trading vehicle. You pay a little bit more yeah, for yeah. the spreads. But the movement's there. Anyway, let's go into the crude market. It's a market that I bought up because I think it's trading quite well technically. I mean, fundamentally, what a story that we've got at the moment. The International Energy Agency coming out overnight saying that, yeah, you know, with the China reopening play that we've been seeing, that they're expecting record amounts of demand uh, for crude this year. And, you know, we're waiting for airlines to really ramp up. Airlining, um, You know, tourism around the world is really going to sort of manifest into, into strength into the Q1. China, obviously, then the backbone of that. And, and as you can see there, we've been trading in this kind of bearish channel for some time. We've broken to the upside there. We came into horizontal resistance around sort of $83. Uh, and we've just sold off literally, literally to the T on that point there. The question is, 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 is do I look to go short? No. The question is why? Because you know, we're holding the five-day exponential moving average. All the short-term indicators are still heading higher. We're seeing buying pressure into, that, in, into those averages. Until they give way, um, you know, the, the bid's still in the market. For me, it's a, it's, it's a wait for that horizontal resistance to get through. The momentum takes that higher. So I'm doing buy stop orders above that red line, you know, the horizontal resistance level. Um, but until that time, I'm staying out. How are you playing this, if at all?
1: Well, you know, I actually think it's a very bullish setup, Chris. It's got, and I know it's hard to see without me being able to draw on your chart right there, but there's an inverted head and shoulder pattern and that red line that we're coming right up to, you could call that the neckline if you want. And if we break that, I, I think we break that horizontal resistance to the upside. I think it comes in around eighty-three bucks, somewhere yeah, around. That's that what you're saying, yeah.
0: I mean, that's that's the level. Yeah. I'm waiting to buy it when we get a close above that level, and I think yeah, the the, the bulls reveal themselves. The momentum pushes into the market, and you're just riding that momentum. For me, I'm just I just love that. But uh, until that song, I, I, lo- time- I love
1: it too. I love it too. You can see the two hundred day moving average, which I mean, it seems like f- right now it's forever away. But after this consolidation we've seen for the last couple of months. I think a breakout is, uh, is 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 potentially there, and I and I love it. I, I think it's I love the fact you got that channel, and we're breaking above that channel resistance. So I think the setup for the bulls is there, but it is a setup, right, Yeah, Chris? that's right. So, but you've got two ways. You've got China still
0: looking really good. You know, people are saying that the stimulus is there. They're reopening. Crude loves that big play on crude, but then you've seen this U.S. data, which has caused a few anxieties here. You know, are we seeing U.S. slow down? So there's a two-way sort of tug and pull, and I think the crude market's not sure which way to go. Which is why you wait for price to break through there, hoping that it's going to continue. That's the way I'm playing
1: it. Sounds good. All right. Well, I'm going to take us over to silver, and you know, Chris, I I actually brought a a. a, a, a um Quote, this comes from Maurice Setter. Too many people miss the silver lining because they're expecting gold. See, you know, a lot of too many traders are focused on gold and they're not so focused on silver. But I'm going to tell you what, Chris, the thing about silver, it is it is not and has not followed gold higher. We broke out of this uh, descend or this ascending wedge. It was a bearish breakdown a couple of weeks ago. But what's really interesting is uh, this week or this last week, we set up a potential double top. And I think if we break through, 2340 is the level I'm looking at. If we break 2340, we should trade back down towards 2150. I think it's a double top ascending ascending wedge breakdown, which is a great reversal pattern. And with gold looking a little little top heavy up here around the 1900 level I think silver's got some downside what are your thoughts on silver at this well I think you point, missed the,
0: I think you missed the uh, the glaring one this <laughs> just picked up and and that is just the sheer divergence that you're seeing between that series of higher highs in price up to the double top but you know look at those you know the, the lower highs we're seeing um, and the divergence we're seeing in the RSIs there so you know if we get a break of that 50 level on the RSIs then I think that's probably a short signal if you want to be aggressive before it's even you know taken out those, those recent lows um, and that was just show that we're, we're probably seeing so yeah I think all the signs at the moment is this, this probably wants to trade lower. again you know it comes back into what we talked about so much last year we don't know the future Blake if we did we'd be inside the traders but what we do look at is the assessment of probability of outcomes that's all we do as traders We're looking at, you know, can it do this? options market teaches that all day long. Um, And when I look at that chart, say to yourself, what is the probability of it going up? What's the probability of it going sideways? What's the probability of going down? And over what sort of pace of rate of change? And I look at that right now, and I would say that the risks... Uh, to the downside and, and there's a skew to the downside of outcomes to the downside so that's the way I look at it you get that kind of vision going on where's the sort of outcomes going through and that's I, I say that the skew of distribution is, is for, a, for a move slightly lower here so that's the way I'm looking at that so a good chart. really glad you brought that one up Blake anyway let's go to play of the day let's see what's uh, what's the what's on our minds this week Well, uh, you know, I talked to in the FX place. So I sort of teed myself up quite nicely. Good little pun because it's the Australian Open. And, um, you know, we've got uh, the Swiss Franc looking pretty good at the moment. I want to bring the Aussie Swiss It's You know, we saw a, a move up into that horizontal resistance level. We saw a failed breakout. You know, we love talking about failed breaks and and, and the power that comes with those. We've seen a reversal. We've seen a series of lower highs on the daily chart. Um, and then we've got the technical breakout. Call it a bear flag. Call it what you will. But we've broken that support, that rising trend that we've been playing. I think with this rate of change that's come through, um, if we were to see equity markets continue to pull back a little bit, this de-risking, uh, of concerns that play through. The Aussie-Swiss is a natural place to be. So if you think that the world's going to be a healthy place in the short term, the equity markets are going to, is going to return and uh, you know we're going to break through that downtrend that we talked about earlier, You know, I wouldn't be touching Aussie-Swiss. I'll be trading it from the long side. But right now, the market has revealed itself. We've traded through that 200-day moving average. We've broken the trend. It feels like those risks are skewed to the downside. So I'm trading this one from the short side. Uh, I'd be leaving a sell stop order just below these lows. If it breaks through those yeah, I think this has got some good downside. What we can see on that bottom panel, though, is the three-day exponential moving average relative to its eight-day. And when it crosses below there, you're seeing that the short-term moving averages are crossing the, 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 well, the eight-day, the slightly longer one there. And that would usually give me a sort of a mechanical entry signal in short term. So I want to see it break through those. But at the moment, it's doing everything uh, that I like at the moment. So I quite like this one lower, Blake, over the next week or so.
1: Nice. I like it, Chris. And uh, I'm going to take you guys over to my surprise trade of the, day. Oh. <laughs> Play of the day. It's the uh thanks for sticking around if you did Uh the dollar mechs. But, you know, I'm going to say and you, you notice the, the quote here, it says near term. You know, if you remember me, most of 2022, I was very bullish Mexican pesos, bearish dollar mechs. And it has been trending lower and I've been looking for my point to actually be on the long side and now I am long. So I am speaking my book. I've been getting long the last two days. Daily sentiment index is extreme bullishness in Mexican pesos. We saw a big reversal today, a bullish outside day, a bullish engulfing, whatever you want to call it. And you notice how we're pivoting ahead of the February 2020 lows. Those are the lows that we had just before we took off from the COVID uh, you know, COVID lockdown spikes. And we hit 161% extension or very close to at 1950. I think you trade on the long side against that. But only a move above nineteen gets me super uber duper boober boober oh, stop. It. Stop maybe, it now.
0: Stop it now. Okay.
1: And maybe we'll make <laughs> <laughs> and we we'll, maybe we'll make it to the 200 day moving average. But that's my play of the day.
0: Yeah, I like it. I'll be interested to see Aussie against the Mechs there because you know, you still got that carry in the in the MEX, but do, both do that sort of risk-off thematic. But I think that elastic band had just been pulled a little bit too far on that dollar MEX trade and most seem a bit of mean reversion kick in there. So an interesting one. We'll re- re- revisit those next week um, and maybe update those on, on some of the Twitter uh, factors if, if we move there as well. Anyway, for people who are still watching, we really, really appreciate this kicking off to a fantastic start of the year. Hope it's a really good one for you guys as well. It's going to be a great trading environment for 2023. I hope you join us for the ride for the full year. Anyway, see you next week for more of the trade-off.